So 10 years ago, Harbour Asset Management started and with me in the studio is Andrew Baskan, the Managing Director. And Andrew, welcome. And uh, 10 years, a lot has happened in that time. Yeah, it's great to be here 10 years yeah. later. Yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting because 10 years ago, in 2009, of course, uh, New Zealand hadn't won a Rugby World Cup for 22 years. It's amazing to reflect on that. Isn't it? Isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Hopefully it's not another Hopefully 20 years. Hopefully it's not another 22 years, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, this has got to find a coach first, haven't I? <laughs> That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, and, and the OCR back then? Well, who would have thought? The OCR, coming out of that GFC, had a new low of 2.5%. Now, we thought that was really low mm. in 2009. And look where it is now. Can you believe it? You know, and, 1%. And, yeah, and, and might go lower. It could go anywhere from here, but back in 2009, we thought 2.5% was a really low interest yeah, rate. Yeah. So tell me, in the 10 years, what are some of the biggest investment trends you've seen? Well, I mean, the most obvious thing is back in 2009, no one was really talking about responsible investing in any strong way. You know, that, that, that's been probably the most um, evident trend that's got stronger and stronger every year. But it seems to me it's really starting to get cut through on engagement now. I think it's totally embedded. Mm -hmm. In 2010, when we um, set up Harbour um, in, in January of that year, we immediately became a UN uh, PRI, United Nations mm -hmm. Principles, a, a signatory to that. Oh, so you signed up right at the start? Right at the start. Okay. It was a deep belief five of us had, mm -hmm. uh, make a difference. We've done quite a lot of work on that already uh, with the previous employer. Back then there were about 400 to 500 signatories globally, now there are just under 3,000. Mm -hmm. And I think there's $34 trillion now signed up. Wow. Which I think there was less than, less than a trillion yeah. dollars way back then. So, so it's, it's a big trend. Yeah, And it's very embedded in your processes because I've heard you guys talking about how you go through each of the stocks and you, you basically rate them, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. the UN has um, something like 17 goals, mm. the sustainable development goals, mm. and each one of those goals has a whole lot of individual principles. Mm -hmm. and, and what we do is we ask about 80 questions of companies mm. every year and develop uh, a sense of the score and how they're going on those goals. And the ones which, there is a correlation, isn't there? And the ones who score well also perform well? I think what there's a correlation is those that score poorly, yeah. uh, generally over a period of time, that's indicative of you know, management or the board. It's, it's, it's a poor score. So, so it's actually looking for the poor ones rather than the good ones in yeah, some I mean, ways. We want, to, we want to lift the standard of, yeah. of all companies, yeah. and that's the key thing. And, and, and Harbour's quite engaged, isn't it, in terms of you know, discussing things with companies and directors and management, and well, ha that's changed quite a lot too, hasn't we, it? We sort of have to uh, mm. be engaged. Our, our clients want us mm. to be voting on everything, mm. and, and they know the evidence as well. Mm. The evidence is, after a positive engagement, Mm. Companies generally perform better over the following 12 and 24 months. Yeah. I mean, you, you can see that in the data too. Yeah, yeah. And other trends you picked up, I guess, you know, obviously we're in this really low interest rate environment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that presents real challenges, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the key thing is our clients are looking for not just beating the benchmark, mm. they want sustainable absolute returns mm. as well, mm. and they don't want too much volatility. So it's increasingly yeah. getting tricky, and we're you know, explaining to clients that we're in this lower return environment, mm. so diversification, mm. really important. Is it harder now than it was 10 years ago, investing? I think it's always been hard to invest. We yeah. always reflect that each point in time, you know, that there's something else that appears to be a risk, mm -hmm. but you go back to 2009, the risk of the GFC, there was risk of technology change. Mm. In 2009, Fletcher Building was the largest company in New Zealand. And now look where it is, yeah. not even you know, in the top 10. Yeah. It, 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 things change. So being active, I think, is really important. So we've seen this trend of passive money rolling into New Zealand, mm. rolling globally, passive funds being increasingly 
dominant in some of the pricing of equities, I think that's about to change again. Oh, really? Yeah. I think being being active uh, is an important is an important aspect. Oh, of investing. it becomes more important now. So, yep. so uh, your Fletcher Building story is interesting because the biggest company now is A2, and that was a I remember when it was a penny dreadful stock. Well, so do I. I remember yeah. visiting Dunedin in 2000, mm. 2001, when that company was just getting off with, with Howard Patterson and others. Mm. And it stayed that way for a long time. Mm -hmm. a and then it became institutional with a placement of 60 cents mm. That, mm. That, that we started to participate in the market with. So I asked you before, one of what's, you know, one of your best or most astounding stories yeah. of, of, of your time yeah. at Harper? Well, I think it's been patient in investing, and I'll give mm. you the A2 example. We had to wait for a long time mm for investors to recognise what we saw in that story. Mm -hmm. And it was three or four years of investing patiently in A2. And then we had the big reveal, I think in February 2018, when they did the deal with Fonterra, mm -hmm. Fonterra came real. They upgraded very significantly the earnings and they announced their play into China. Mm. And the market just had to take set and hold of, of this new mm. opportunity that had arisen. Yes, yeah. It became a real investable opportunity for global investors. So how hard is it to sort of stay patient when you're sitting there and you've got investors wanting returns? We, we have to take them on that journey. Mm. Every client that comes in that invests in the equity mm. market, for example, in one of our products needs to understand it's a three to five year yeah. timeline. Mm. If they're investing in a short duration, uh, a, a core fixed interest product, it, it's different. Mm -hmm. So they want monthly returns, they want stable returns. But in equities, patience, patience. is the story. It's a, hard one, it's a hard one to sell to investors though, isn't it? Well, it's interesting. Uh, we, we started with two clients mm. in 2009, really lucky. One of the big global consultants and the, the, the large uh, government superannuation mm -hmm. fund. Mm -hmm. And now we've got 123 further clients, 125 clients now. Wow. And so, Everyone that's come on has needed to understand the mm. patience of, mm, mm. you know, you've got to invest for the medium term. Mm. We, we actually don't know really what's happening a month, six months, even a year out. It's the medium term trends that we're interested well, in. Well, there's always all the short term noise of things which is going on, which can be quite disrupting, I guess. Yeah. I, exactly. And so over the last, last 10 years, what are the four key dominant themes that I think will be enduring? First of all, demographics. Mm. You know, there are two types of demographics mm. we're interested in. Mm -hmm. Us, yeah aging population, yes, yeah, yeah. but then the, the rise of the millennial. In mm. the next decade, the millennials become the biggest consumption basket in the world. So that's important. Yeah. China, China, Indonesia, you know, mm -hmm. India, a and millennials everywhere. They become very important. Uh, I find the millennials fascinating because they have quite a different approach to investing too and, and the sorts of things they do. M more empathetic. They want to have stakeholder analysis. Mm. They, they truly want to understand where their money is heading. Mm -hmm. So they want to be more active. I, this is why I think we're going to have a change from passive to active. Yeah, yeah. So too much money going into passive? I think we've seen the rise of uh, big global funds. We know who they are. Mm. And they own lots of securities mm. in New Zealand mm. and globally. Mm. And I, I'm not calling it dumb money. I'm calling it money that is following That's and chasing the same factor time and time again. Yeah, yeah. And disappointments, there's always a few yeah, along the way. exactly. I right. think my classic disappointment is we sold out of zero when it was $5. Mm. Watch that share price yeah. go to $44. Mm. That's, that, that, that's, a bit, that's eight times your money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then had to be very patient until that share price came back in mm. so we could find that opportunity again in, mm. in the teens. So why do you think you missed that? 
Oh, well, we, we, we made the mistake. We'd already made five times our money. Mm, mm. Well, which is pretty good. Which is pretty good. <laughs> and, and it seemed to have run ahead of it. We didn't really understand. This was becoming mm. a, a platform business. Mm. It was becoming a business that, not just for accounting, mm. but it was becoming yeah. a business that had an opportunity to get revenue from many different sources. Yeah. So it must be quite hard now as, a, as an investor because you suddenly have all these tech companies and all these new ideas. It's not like you have a coal mining company or a steel manufacturer or something. You've got all these things and you've got to try and, as, as investors, try and get your head around that. It must be, must be quite a different environment to, say, 10 years ago. And many of these companies also are global, so you have to mm. travel. You have mm. to see what market yeah. are they trying to sell into mm, mm. and beyond zero and an example for New Zealand would be Vista yes, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or Serco mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. these are New Zealand tech companies making it global mm, mm. oh but uh, A2 again is a good example because you spend a lot of time I believe researching up in China and watching what's going on up there yeah well there are three of us that have gone there in the last year regularly yeah. in, in our team uh, additionally of course they're now in the US too so we had to go to the US but <laughs> could not market mm. uh, nearly all the great, fast-growing New Zealand companies are global companies. Mm. Which again is quite different, isn't it? Because New Zealand companies often had trouble going globally and now we seem to be getting better at it. I'm reminded of a story regarding main freight. Yeah. In, in 2003 and four, there was an investor that went to see Don Braid. Mm -hmm. And they said, we will sell out of our main freight shares if you don't pull back to New Zealand from Australia. Oh, really? And Don Braid, to his, to his charm, said to them, um, it's been great having you as a shareholder. Mm. I'm sorry we can't go together on this journey. <laughs> I don't think those are the words he used, actually. No, no, but, but I think the message <laughs> and, and, is and the, rest, and the rest yeah. is history. Yeah. But, because it, it's clear that, yes, we remember those companies that didn't succeed mm. because we are risk-averse, yes, naturally, yeah, as investors. Yeah. Interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, we are yeah, risk-averse. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much, and it's, um, it's been a great journey you've been on, and I look forward to the next 10 years. Thanks very yeah. much. Good. Cheers. Yeah.